Welcome back to the basement, boys and girls. You are now tuned into Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I am your host, Kevin, as usual. Um, we are just getting started here in 2016. Uh, last week, we talked about David Bowie. We talked about uh, David Bowie's excellent new album, uh, Black Star. Uh, we recorded that right before he died. And uh, and then we all know how this past week has been, and we're going to talk about it at the end of this a little bit. Uh, if you if you haven't heard uh, Black Star, uh, fuck our podcast. Just go listen to Black Star. It's a, it's a fucking fantastic record. Um, I had hoped to get away from all this sad sack bullshit uh, that we were mired in at the beginning of last week. Uh, but right as I sat down to tape this uh, intro, got news. Uh, news came down the wire that Glenn Fry of the Eagles had died. Now I know what some of you might be saying. Listen to this, like, ha ha, the Eagles. Uh, well, I mean, you're wrong. Uh, the Eagles are uh, not just one of the larger parts of our pop culture when it comes to music. Uh, they're one of the best. They have worked uh, with musicians uh, across the spectrum. Uh, they, their catalog, in fact, given the context of when it came out, uh, what they were doing and who they were working with, is sort of peerless. I mean, and, and look, their greatest hits is one of the most owned albums in history that doesn't happen uh by just being shit uh so you can you could be like oh the eagles they suck but the reality is is that glenn fry and don henley um are some of the greatest songwriters that we know in in this like era at least uh it remains to be seen uh how how they are remembered beyond this you know were they david bowie no, they were not. Um, were they important to the development of all the things that we're listening to uh, these days? Uh, not just important, they were integral. Um, and so as someone who grew up on the Eagles, uh, this makes me very sad. And it's, it accelerates the, the, you know, the everybody's getting old. And I think the sentiment going around the Internet right now is it's going to be a rough year. Hope you're not right, but I think I think think it might be so uh rest in peace to glenn fry uh you know don't put on hotel california go for desperado much better album uh yeah so um moving past that uh here's what we intend to do this year last year uh we were doing it about once a week and we interspersed interviews and everything and we got to the end of that and said you know we left out and missed a whole lot of records and while I love doing the interviews and and I think you guys love hearing them, uh, what we really are trying to do is get this music into your ears as much as we can. So uh, going forward, we're going to be doing it twice a week. Uh, we have not abandoned interviews. There will be interviews. Uh, they hopefully will be great interviews. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about more albums. It's gonna be one per episode. Hopefully they'll be a little shorter, although judging by this one and the lat- and the one coming later in the week, uh, we still can't stop running our mouths. Um, and then we're just going to keep cranking on that as long as we can and see what happens. Uh, if you like it, you know, let us know. If you hate it and like, go back to the old way, uh, let us know that too. You know, we're, we're flexible, but uh, we want to see what works. Uh, so that way you're going to get an album and a song uh, twice a week in your ears, on your podcast device, whatever, however you want to listen to it. Um, so for this week, uh, we are going to be talking about a new album from the band Tortoise out of Chicago. Uh, you'll get a little backstory here in our discussion coming up. Uh, we're going to be talking about the All Songs Considered birthday party, Sweet 16 and 930 Club, which is fantastic. Also, you're going to hear about more about that coming up. And then we're going to play a, a song by the band Crown Marks out of Chicago, who, in my opinion, is sort of... They don't sound necessarily like tortoise, but they are carrying on that tradition uh, of tortoise. So uh, that is your podcast coming up. Um, hopefully between the time you press play and uh, and you finish, uh, eight more rock stars won't have died. But um, who knows? Who knows, man? So here you go. This is episode number 149 of Drinking Glasses, the podcast. We're reviewing the new album from Tortoise, The Catastrophist. Okay. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Merely a two-word review, just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up and get a massive 
that right there is a logical fallacy. A tiny desk. <laughs> a tiny desk. No, this is a tiny table. That's a good way to start that shit. Here, try this. Uh, Oregon right. single malt. Oregon single malt. It's uh, hmm. yeah. Hmm. It's got um, notes of ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, no, it actually does. It, it, it sort not, of tastes uh, like a butt. It, it, it like a shallow hmm. butt. Like a butt without yeah. many layers. Um, good enough place to start. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this all seems so familiar, gentlemen. We were just here. We were just here. Uh, we killed David. No, we did not no. kill David Bowie. We've been uh, each other's support group since then. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, welcome back. It is yet another Thursday night here in the basement. Uh, if you're listening to this on a Tuesday, you weren't here. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, this week uh, we're going to be talking about a new album from the band Tortoise out of Chicago. Uh, they have a new album called The Catastrophist. They have been gone for quite a while, but we're going to get into that a little later. Uh, before that, last night, which was Wednesday, the uh, what is it, the 15th or 14th? 14th. Today is the 14th. Yeah, so the 13th, uh, All Songs Considered turned 16 this year. Um. So as most people do when they have a sweet 16, they throw a birthday party and this party happened at the 9:30 club. Uh, they were it was billed with Sharon Von Etten, uh, Dan Deacon and lots of special guests. Lots of people showed up. Uh, Glenn Hansard showed up if you're a fan of that. Uh, Kishi Bashi showed up. Uh, the Suffers showed up. First time I'd seen them. I missed them in Landmark. Okay. Um, and then uh, Laura Gibson, who we actually covered a, a long time ago, um, and actually we got sort of onto her from uh, All Songs Considered, uh, and she was fantastic. Hadn't seen her in a bunch of years. Last time we saw her was at IOTA. Um, if you listen to this podcast, you damn well better know what All Songs Considered is. Uh, you know, it, it's weird. The, the very first time I met Bob Boylan, uh, Susie used to do a lot of work for the site. Uh, is very familiar with him, and uh, she introduced me to him. And I said, "I said, you know, yes, what I did with the site and everything." I said, "Well, we're basically just going to steal your model." <laughs> and, and and he looked at me. And he's like, "That's cool." <laughs> uh, I think this is the beginning of Bolo Bob too. He just come back from ACL. <laughs> um, and you know, in, in a large way, as much as I, I, you know, wouldn't necessarily love to admit it, like we have, and so have a lot of people. Uh, if you look at what. Uh, Started off as a very simple program back in the days of, of as he put it, you know, fourteen four baud internet, mm-hmm. uh, where is putting together stuff like, oh my god, you can have multimedia on on the internets, uh, and um, and trying to put it in a program different from what he was doing with uh, the All Things Considered, where he was the director, and, and this what <clears throat> this grew out of, um, what emerged, you know, I am uh, Abel Cop to being a cynical fuck most of the time. Mm-hmm. What emerged out of last night, though, was actually pretty joyous because uh, the reality is, is that uh, him and Robin Hilton and that whole staff uh, have, in fact, uh, introduced innumerable amounts of people to music that maybe they wouldn't have ever heard. I think they may, which we're going to talk about in a second. They might have created like a whole cast of different music <laughs> listeners, um, but it was it was a very uh, like having Dan Deacon close the thing out was very appropriate because it was you could see Bob on stage the way the joy he he has now in doing this. I mean, the motherfucker has won. Uh, you know, like he, he doesn't have anything to prove. You can criticize how they do stuff. You know, Ian Savonius very famously like NPR killed right. college rock. Who gives a fuck? Like mm-hmm. he, um, and so the joy coming off that stage w- very palpably uh, was absorbed by the audience, and it was a fantastic thing. Uh, w- you guys, obviously, I am sure are familiar with the podcast. So over the years, what have what has all songs considered meant to you? Um, okay, uh, you all missed those nonverbal cues. That's for 
those of us in yeah. the room. So, um, you know, Stop it's... Stop giving me the bird. <laughs> <laughs> That's for later. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, I have friends who've, who've worked in, in public media over the years and... Um, and they were very, uh, you know, very early on, they would sort of say, you know, you can find, you know, there are cooler things happening at, at, uh, in public media than, than maybe most of us are aware of. And th- these were also, as Kevin just pointed out, kind of like the, the uh, crawling, not yet walking days of the Internet. Right. Um, and, and PBS and NPR really were kind of leaders, I think, on that, on yeah. that multimedia front. Um, you know, I listen to the podcast regularly, not, not every episode necessarily, but... Um, but uh, I always check in every few weeks and I've just over the years, I mean, I can think of like um, just just picking a couple of very recent examples. Kristen Diable, whose album last year mm-hmm. I really liked, um, I think I got from them. The, uh, the, the Chance mixtape, the Acid Rap mixtape, I think I first saw on like a year end list from All Songs Considered. And I've since discovered, I know, which is really? shameful. Yeah, shameful. And, and I've since discovered that uh, a fair number of people I know who love Chance too also discovered him from that. Mm. Which is so I, like, I, I, I honestly first discovered it from uh, Sound Opinions. Okay. Greg Cotton, Jimmy okay. Goddess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's, you know, I think, the, uh, I think the All Songs Considered website is tremendous. I think, uh, um, I think the, the albums that they stream, they're eclectic. They, you know, I think... Um, there's, I think there might be a little bit of an issue with who the NPR audience is. Um, and as a, you it, know, it, it can skew homogenous, let's yeah. say it can skew a little whole foodsy. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, actually, that's a good, uh, yeah. it's, it's affluent. Yeah. There's a lot of, lot of overlap, urban yeah. affluent. Um, and, uh, but, but no, I mean, I think it's, I just think it's a tremendous, um, it's a tremendous read. Like anyone who loves music, yeah. um, should, should know and actively listen to all songs considered. They should be, I think, thankful for having a guy like Bob out there. Who's just su- such a believer in not only in, in music as a medium, but in, uh, live shows and the, you know, the live experience. Yeah. And so I just, you know, um, hats off to them, obviously not that I'm anyone to tip my hat to anyone, but Patrick, um, well, I think part of the reason I'm sitting here is that for years I listened to all songs and thought I could do that uh, <laughs> and would have very visceral reactions to certain people in that show, current or past, who shall remain nameless. <laughs> and I would send off screeding emails to music friends of mine saying I can't stand the way this person uh, talks or decides things about music. So if you hate my voice, I'm sorry. Um, so, I, uh, yeah, and I, I would say even since I... You know, there was a, a time where I wasn't following indie music that closely because I was in law school and it's hard to. But post-law school, since 05, 06, I have been a regular listener. Yeah. And that's when it really started coming into prominence, I think, or got more and more popular. Um, and the internet became easier to use in a lot of ways. Podcasting became a thing. Yeah. So, um, and I can name bands whether I like them or not, that got traction because of all songs. And the biggest one to me is Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. That song, the first, mm-hmm. whatever their big single was, has now been in f- like 50 TV shows and yeah. 10 commercials or <clears throat> something like and that. And that, that was, a, that was the, the uh, reigning sentiment from the stage, even from Glenn Hansard, um, you know, saying that uh, nobody was listening to the frames. He's right. My friends Derek yeah. and Kim are Anglophiles, and and you know, and I mean, I would argue nobody should listen to the frames, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, you know, uh, you know that having been said, uh, he closed his these these were broken up into micro sets, and he closed his out with a cover of "Ashes to Ashes" oh. uh, that had me a little emotional. But at the end, he uh, he, he basically began to howl, uh, and mm. and it sounded like all of us felt, and it was just. It was transcendent, and I was like, "All right, I get mm. this guy now." So, were these all like mini sets, or yeah. were the musicians? So it, up there it was structured as like a four, okay. four set, okay, uh, and uh, four song set, and then they come up and do it and say something. And back to the point I was, I was actually talking about before I went off on my answer tangent is that the predominant like thing was was how much uh, the uh, the the all songs bump can do for you. I mean, Kishibashi was up there and said, you know, literally, he owes his career to them. Uh, I, can I jump in there and say, Bob Boylan has been such a huge supporter of my high school friend, Tom Brousseau. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, Tom does okay, but I don't know that he would have put out nearly as many albums if, 
if NPR had not been a supporter right. of his. Right, and it, it and that's that's back to sort of my point of of like he's won mm. uh, because I mean here's the thing here's a guy and a staff you know Robin too uh, who clearly love music and have reached a point uh, far higher than say a pitchfork. Like this is this is even though there is some internal commerce involved now. I mean, it, this is becoming very mainstream to play the tiny desk, uh, even though they they have mostly I think almost total control over that. Uh, you know, but these are guys that have have transcended this and now can just indulge what they love. And I, it's interesting that you're drawing that that uh, pitchfork contrast because I was just thinking that as as tastemakers, there's a um there's a real generosity that you get from from Bob and yeah. um, that that you don't necessarily see from from Pitchfork. You know, there's yeah. uh, or, or or us. Yeah, sometimes. no, no, and, I mean, it's, I, and no, and, I, I and, think but, they go out of their way. Yeah. if even if they don't like something, I've heard him interview people who I know he does not. Yeah. particularly <laughs> like, but he doesn't. He sort of follows the if you can't say anything nice rule. He just. Ask them questions, right? Which is something, and, and you guys right. know, like know yeah. me, and and that's why we do it this way is because I, I I no matter what I can't do that. But like starting this year, actually, and it, aside from this thing, <laughs> uh, I was like I should make an effort. And like last night, I saw why. Like it just like it's so much easier, and you still get all the stuff you love. Yeah, well, I think that's the key. Is like like two of my favorite albums from last year were like were early streams on NPR mm-hmm. and Daniel Daniel Bachman's The River and uh, and the Faith No More album that I talked about at the year end thing. Um, and those are not there's like nothing linking those albums right. um, either superficially or behind the scenes. There's no reason they should be in the same sentence ever, um, except that it it makes sense for them both to be you know hosted as early preview streams on All Songs Considered. Right. Um, so. So so, real quick before we get into tortoise, um, I do I do want to talk about like a little bit more about the the sort of class <laughs> created of music listeners, um, because I've always had this love hate relationship with with their podcast specifically because of the optimism, and it's just not not who I am. I believe one of us may have made a joke about how positive they are yes. during the end of the year yes. podcast. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to point any fingers, but. Um, and, and again, I, I, I went into this, like I've had a running theory that it, yes, it, it spreads the music around it. Anything you can do to get people to listen to music and get people to appreciate it, mm-hmm. like is magic. That is fantastic. But we can certainly like, Narrow down the thing to, to the NPR type of band. Uh, you know, must have vest. <laughs> um, probably must have vest. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. you know, there, there, there is a, a thing. Do you think, uh, or let's put it this way. I, I went in last night wondering, uh, like, man, I feel like they've got here and they have this responsibility to maybe do more. And now I'm not so sure anymore. Because, again, because of... They don't necessarily have to do everything. The small pocket of like there's like 1,200 people there last night of of absolute joy that is brought from the work that they did put in there in in that room last night. Like that is hard fought, and you don't get that often. It's it sounded like you were going to say something. Uh, well, you're talking about causation. You're talking about cause and effect. I mean, is it? Bob Boylan's fault that the average person who goes on the NPR website or, in fact, listens to NPR right. tends to trend a little Whole Foodsy. No, no, that doesn't mean that Bob Boylan can't like things that a whole the Whole Foodsy <laughs> crew will not like. And in fact, I'm sure he's turned them on to things that they yeah, otherwise but- would not have listened to. That being said, I think what you're sort of getting at is. Uh, I'm just going to pick an example out of the air. 100 Visions mm-hmm. hasn't been on all songs. Actually, that's a, yeah. That's yeah. like a good example of a band that might just be a little too rough and 
hard. But if you see to them, fit into that mold, like the reason we love those albums right. is because they are the same joy right. that is in everything. That, like I saw last night, and I don't. Phil th- Cook has not been on that. That's oh, no. sort of that's, astonishing because yeah, I feel like that's right in the wheelhouse in a way. But um, I think the it's not Bob. I don't think Bob is actively choosing what gets on the or Robin or whoever. Well, but I don't think he's necessarily pandering to a certain audience. I don't know. I don't know. know. But and I don't know that it's necessarily. I mean, look, he was in uh, Tiny Desk Unit. Yes, he likes like I've seen his top ten lists. He likes um, the guy from what's the Icelandic group Uh, way more than I do. He likes, um, you know, sort of electronic stuff mm-hmm. more than I'm going to ever go for that stuff. I mean, that's how his tastes run. On the other hand, yeah, he and, likes a lot of bands that I like generally, and, so it's and, hard and, to... And that's actually... So it, it becomes more of a question on us yeah. and, like, mm-hmm. all anybody who's on this podcast that is listening right now, like, you know, what is your responsibility to that? Because, like, today, the day after the show, the way I see it is none. We should be talking about Boston all the time. <laughs> well, but that's the beauty of this is yeah. you answering to no one but you, basically. Right. But but you know, I guess what I struggle with a little bit is um, the like every scene has its uh, gatekeepers, mm-hmm. right? And we've all like if you've ever been to a bike shop, you know, fuck <sighs> fuck those people. They're just <laughs> everyone who works at a bike shop acts as though they were born on one. And how dare you not know you the have difference? Turn the between, bike shop lobby against us, Eduardo. <laughs> I just. Just, just picking sure an example lobby, of people who, I mean, I mean, they make record store people look nice, right, no. and and courteous. Uh, but, um, but the bottom line is like, as with like, uh, like thinking about beer, which beer is currently just this, you know, you very ho- homebrew, the new golf, yeah, very, yeah. very annoying uh, subculture. And I like beer a lot. And um, and when people who don't drink beer ask me about it, I just say you should you should drink the beer that you like, right? That's the <laughs> right. right. So you should listen to the music that that right. you like. And to some degree, like we're all we all have you know constraints that are a product of or that are the result of like our biographies and our backgrounds and all that. And so someone might think it's really cool that I can name all these like underground 80s Brazilian bands but that's right. because I lived in Brazil at like it's not because I'm somehow you know which I actually had that better. moment with you I was like holy shit man this fucking and I'm like oh, no, wait, you lived in Brazil right I'm it's an idiot. The, right right it's yeah. just like uh it's it's uh it's 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 a bigger stretch for me that I own a banjo and that I you know love mountain music than it is that I can name like Brazilian hip-hop acts or something right but um but so so it's easy for that to seem like um, to, to provide the illusion of diversity when in fact it's, I'm totally in my comfort zone when I'm talking about those things. Right. And so it's, I, I find it hard to like place an obligation on, on Bob and the crew to, to do that. At the same time though, that's why, you know, structural diversity matters, right? Mm-hmm. That's why having people yes. who were tastemakers who have different life experiences mm-hmm. will just organically bring that about. I think what we all reject is the idea that like, oh, you have to have one non-American musician and you have to have, you know, like, and there's, and, <laughs> right. and like, because right. that leads to quotas and that leads to, you know, uh, things Every, that everything bad. Helpful. Right. And it, and it's sort of, and so like, and the minute you do that, you're sort of pitting like all Latin American artists against, against one another for that one coveted spot. When one might be a metal act, one might be a hip hop act and the other one might be like a throwback salsa act. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. It's pretty sharp. Condemnation of America. Eduardo. <laughs> As a, as a naturalized citizen, as we as we <laughs> later tonight, uh, I don't know about you guys. We'll be watching the Republican debates. So, oh, is there one tonight? Yes, sir. there no sure is. There's that Trump song too. Yes, which, which we, <laughs> we I might should, throw it in the something yeah. or other. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, end of the day, fantastic uh, night. Uh, thank you to uh, the people at NPR for inviting me out, and those those very magnanimous is that it yeah yeah yep uh, of them uh and uh congratulations to bob and robin i hope you guys are doing this a long time so uh you guys want to talk about some tortoise tortoise let's do it
All right, that track is um, actually. I'm going to break here. We uh, we not only we're in a, a facts, not a facts based podcast. We are not a pronunciation podcast. <laughs> Patrick got it. What is it? Okay. Wait, wait there's a second one. There's a, skip. There's a second one. Je suis up. Je suis up. Je suis up. That sounds French. Sure. Um, uh, anyways, this is the uh, this was the first single off of Tortoise's uh, latest album, The Catastrophist. Uh, if you don't know Tortoise, they started way back in 1990 in Chicago, land from where you're very familiar with. Sure, Patrick. Yep. Uh, mostly instrumental, uh, post rock, jazz fusion group. Uh, some have actually credited them as the progenitors of post rock. We'll discuss that in a minute. Uh, they're a five-person quintet steeped in jazz, progressive rock. Uh, I would even like throw in some jam in there. That's how mm-hmm. I actually sort of used to know them. Generally, have been one of Music Nerd's go-to bands since their inception. Can we agree with this? Totally correct. Um, this is their first album since, <clears throat> excuse me, 2009. Uh, previously, TNT and Standards were, were big hits for them. Um, ditches a lot of the post-rock, to my mind, for more... Definitely jazz fusion based uh, sound, uh, and they add some vocals, some cheese, and some outer space. Uh, so, Eduardo, I, I think you're probably the biggest like tortoise magnet here in the room. I, oh boy, I, uh, yeah, and I and that's and so I feel partly responsible for this. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think like TNT and Standards are fantastic albums. Uh, Millions now living is uh, gets a lot of love. Um, uh, they, you know, at their at their best, what they what they could do is they could um, create very simple repetitive melodies that would just subtly shift during a you know four to seven minute window, um, and uh, and and so just just by slightly altering you know one aspect of the beat or by you know kind of uh, having one instrument fade back and and a, an instrument that was in the background taking the lead, right. A song could could go a lot of places, and it and it seemed the great thing about it, and this is maybe where I where in my mind they relate a little bit to the jam world is that uh, they were like at their best. The music sounds totally egoless. It doesn't sound like it was created. And when you listen to Tortoise, you don't picture a musician doing musician things like <clears throat> striking a chord or even making a face in response to striking that chord. It just seems like it was this very um, yeah, sure, just you sure you don't write for Pitchfork? <laughs> That's some Pitchfork. <laughs> that was, fucking, that was, that was a little, <laughs> well, no, but it's almost no, like ambient yeah. plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. right. It was. It's a. Uh, it's a. Uh, right. I like that. It's um, it's it's uh, it's truly instrumental mm-hmm. ambient. Um, they th- here and on the last album, they've taken a turn that, to my mind, is a little bit more like M eighty three or like Trans Am or you know, it just doesn't. Mm-hmm. It it sounds like they've they've lost what made Tortoise really good, and what they've picked right. up is not that distinctive. Um, there there are some really fine moments on this record, um, and even I would say on Guscapa, um like I can that clip it in later. <laughs> wait, that wait, keep going. I'll find but it. but that but that guitar that you hear in the background, <clears throat> you know, adds adds a different flavor than you think is is you know. Uh, so so there are still layers, and there are still components there that it, they just don't come together and unfortunately <laughs> just, just, <laughs> unfortunately there's, there's there's lots of times on this album when i can picture a musician playing an instrument and that's just really right like contrary to the spirit of tortoise i think so you feel like it's i'm gonna try to turn that from a hot take to something uh, maybe I can latch on to. I know what you're saying, but what you mean by you can see someone playing an instrument while you're listening to it is it's less seamless. It's less, it feels less um, like a like a group mind is sort of operating in a room than, you know, the parts are sort of just operating their own little elevator and, and, and adding things. Yeah. It doesn't feel as... I don't know what the word is. I don't want to say organic because that word has no meaning anymore. But uh, I, I think I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. Um, so I, uh, it, uh, 
after I emptied out all my buckets from last year, started getting into <laughs> uh, getting into the Yaz a little more. Oh, nice! I've been listening to a lot uh, of Grant Green, a lot of Hank Mobley, uh, little Miles, of course. Um, uh, I am more interested in in a lot of the more dissonant stuff and see what they do with it because. I, I feel like that tries to work into a lot of rock and roll these days. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good fit. I think it's a very good fit. I think a band like, say, like Radiohead uh, does stuff like that in a way that is not... They they don't use uh, jazz-specific instruments. But they... Uh, Gus, you can't have my headphones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they... Uh, but they... Uh, you know, so I was actually very much looking forward to this because I haven't really ever been a big tortoise fan and so at your suggestion i basically was like without saying as much like what album should i go back and listen to uh and i found like yeah you know i really liked that what i reacted to at the time was honestly the jam band scene Mm -hmm. um because it was ridiculous because it's like oh man these guys jam so hard and they're and 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 they were the thinking man's jam band at that point yeah and, and they absolutely are way more xylophones than your typical jam band were there two vibraphones in one yeah. of the iterations of this band? Yes, like one of the I think that was like oh four or oh three or something. So, so um, there's so, so there's very much a part of this that um, appeals to my unhealthy love of jazz fusion. You know, if you listen to a lot of Weather Report, Return to Forever, <laughs> yes, stuff like that. If you listen to a lot of that, there is. Stuff to entertain your mind. I mean, that that much is clear. What there isn't is a lot of stuff that you can put down in front of somebody and really be like, you're just going to get this because you're not. And yeah, and, and you know, Patrick just made a, a, a bong <laughs> thing or uh, a joint. It was a, it was a mime. I did not. Yeah, it was a mime. Purely, purely it was mime. simulated, simulated yes, act. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, so, so. Going into this, I, ha- I I think I had uh, an affinity for it, and at the points in this album where it gets the most like wonky jazz fusion, I'm like, okay, that's fun, <laughs> but it um, it doesn't hit that very hard. It doesn't, and, groove. and, and it doesn't decide. It doesn't groove. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't decide what it wants to be. It can either be. Uh, well, I mean, look, everything is what it is. If we're gonna like be all like that, I mean. But it it just like you, you I don't know it's it's it, Patrick help me out yes, here sir oh <laughs> sorry um, yeah I think I agree with everything that's been said uh, the background is I lived in Chicago from ninety eight to oh three and people that I knew who were music nerds were really into this band and like uh, some of them knew John McIntyre as far as I or they allegedly knew John McIntyre although I never saw them interact with him but. This is around the times of the uh, Millions and TNT. I, I think those are good albums. Uh, I went back and listened to Millions again uh, today, and I, it still holds up. I think it's really good. Um, I feel like part, part of what happened with me when listening to this, because I hadn't listened to them in a while, I don't think I listened to the last album at all, is I started to ask myself, like, this, what's the difference between this, and uh, I hate to get sacrilege on you, but like Explosions in the Sky. Yep. Is it Red House Painters? Is that another one of them, or is that a different band? I think that's uh, no, that's the uh, uh, Sun Kill Moon. Kozilek, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's another there's another iteration of this sort of idea. Oh, tran, tran, you know, there are lots of post rock bands, but the one I kept thinking of was like what I'm okay with when I listen to Explosions in the Sky, which is not often, although uh, I do own one Explosions in the Sky CD. Is um, at, l- at least those sort of build to something. A lot of what happens right. here is yeah. there's like, oh, they're going to go somewhere with this, and they, some of it kind of doesn't. Which is very indicative of jazz fusion. Right. Yeah. Like, you listen to the entire Jaco Pistorius catalog, and right. it's like, it's amazing, but it, it's only because, like, I, I, I theorize this, but it's only because, like, I can play an instrument. Hey, if you're just right. listening to that, like, I don't know. Yeah. What well, the f- and, and, and you and I were talking about this upstairs. If you are into like how to make a synth or a bass or um, three sets of drums sound really good, yeah, yeah. like the production, the John McIntyre, and he produced the last Yola Tango album, which I thought was tremendous. Um, it sounds in that in that context great. I think my basic take on this album is like 
if the album started with Gopher Island, went through the next two songs, and then skipped Guess Yep or whatever it's called, <laughs> and hit, hit Hot Coffee in Yonder Blue and ended at five songs, I would actually really like it. But yeah. the rest of it, I could sort of, eh. I mean, I, I just, you know, the first three songs, I know they're trying to do something, but it didn't really... Um, I didn't land, I guess, in a yeah, way, is yeah. sort of what I'm saying. It didn't Let's build say. anything. I didn't feel like it went in a place that got me emotionally anyway. Let's take a listen to a little bit of what we're talking about. I think this is probably one of the better tracks in the album. Uh, Hot Coffee? Yeah. yeah. Can you do that? Yeah, All right, let's do song. it. Hot coffee off of the uh, the catastrophist from uh, Tortoise. Uh, yeah, you said as we came out of rock solid tune. It 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 is right. It, it is what I want from uh, modern jazz fusion or post rock or whatever. Uh, actually, can we talk about that? Are they post rock? Is this is this because I, when I think post rock, I think Mogwai. Yeah, I was gonna say we have to define post rock first. Might not be hard enough. I think European. I but I could yeah. be wrong. I mean, maybe America has some claim to this, but I feel like they probably got it down across the pond a little sooner than we did. Yeah, I know. I think I think that's entirely true, and I think okay. I think I think the fact that like. Uh, what Patrick was just alluding to with the with those kind of big washed out synths, like yeah. that is just such a branded sound at this point. Mm. Um, to the point that like if you if we wanted to start a post rock band, like that's where you start. Is just you need to have that that sound, right. right? And then and once you have that, things fall into place, and that's where you get your Godspeeds and your Mogwais and um, coming soon your cat screams. <laughs> That's what, that's my RPM challenge. Yeehaw. Doing it. Um, oh, we're going to run your banjo. You don't know this. We're going to run your banjo through like 18 processors. Fantastic. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> That'll be, that will be way post-rock. And I'm going to rap over it. Yes. Oh, my God. This is getting better and better. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, man. It's just... Uh... But that's, but that's the, like one of the few songs on, on, on the record where like all those sounds seem to be okay. And the fact that... And one of their strengths is that... You know, their songs don't really necessarily, they're not goal-oriented the way, like, 
mm-hmm. an artificially constructed jam band jam is where mm-hmm. like it's sort of like okay we modulate here and then it goes here and then we climax here this and then there's crescendo, the big lights right. And, right. right so so it was sort of a strength of tortoise that their songs don't really go anywhere they just kind of right. shift subtly and then they go away um and I think I think this song hits all of the notes that you want a tortoise song to hit. Now there are other good songs on this album, but they're not songs that I'm going right. to put on when I think I want to hear a tortoise, like the like the blue yonder, mm-hmm. yonder blue or blue yonder. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. The one with uh, Georgia, with our buddy Georgia. Um, it's a great song. I really like it. Um, it's it's not what I'm you know if if I'm making my like best of tortoise playlist, like I don't think I can justify putting that song on there right. because it's so uncharacteristic of tortoise to how many songs have they done before where they had vocals uh, before this album yeah i believe zero i think that's yeah. what i was thinking yeah. and there's two yeah. so, so there's been a yep. shift and and you know you said there, there are some like potentially great songs in this there is one horrible song on this <laughs> uh a david essex cover uh the song rock on <laughs> yeah that, that, <laughs> does, that does ma- not work. mainly made famous to kids uh of, our age uh, our, our mm. age by oh, yeah. uh but Jesse from yeah Michael oh, Damien yeah. from uh, oh Michael Damien Young and the Restless oh was it I I, I was yes. going with the Full House he dated like cricket John no he oh. dated cricket on Young and the Restless I believe it might have been another well, world fuck I don't know this is this is part of my American culture cricket later married was... Victor Kyriakis who's a big figure on that show okay it might okay. be another world I don't know I can't I, uh, you're, you're well versed I see it on the podcast brewing. I, so One of guess. my majors was theater. I'm okay. just going to leave it at that. All right. All and right. and studying IMDb. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I <laughs> I listened to this on the way back uh, from Wisconsin and the plane, and I was feeling it. I was just like, this is chill. I, I don't like to fly at all. When I have to fly by myself, it's horrifying. So I, I got drunk in a bar, watched the Packers lose, and then got on a plane. And then I'm like, well, I, I will just listen to music. I will be fine. And I put on Tortoise because I knew we were going to be talking about it. And one song in, I'm like, all right, yeah. Two songs in, I'm like, oh, yeah. And then fucking Rock On <laughs> comes on. I'm like, good motherfucking Christ, can you not do that? And it made me laugh because I feel like this is the the sort of instinct of a lot of jazz fusion groups that they're like we want to rock too and we want to cross over to this other audience mm. and they pick the worst goddamn yeah. songs well, i don't know if it's like an attempt to cross over i think they probably liked the 70s version and they, <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah and they thought they could mess with it but uh oof, i sort of agree that it's not a good it's horrible track it, it is horrible mistakes were made yes yeah. um so um that that aside, uh, Eduardo, what are you gonna do with this? Um, I, I'm 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 gonna stream, uh, not often, and I'll probably pick the two or three songs that fit into my conception of Tortoise, and uh, you know, sprinkle them across playlists throughout the year. But it's not gonna, it's not definitely not going beyond that. Right, Patrick. We've talked about how much I hate our rating system, but um, yes, the. I probably I, my full answer is I'm probably gonna put Go for Island and maybe one other song might be Hot Coffee might be the Clearing Fills. Oh, that's a, a good song on that's a, that's on that's a playlist in the next three months. But you know, three good songs on an album. You know my rule. All right. So, so I can't say I don't think I can say that I'm going to pass. But I'm not going to play this whole album front to back in a right. stream. I'm just not. I'm gonna steal the pieces I like and do what I want with them, and I'm probably right. done with it. Uh, I, man, sword. This will be the first pass of the year. Oh man, I, I'm gonna pass, and it is because of the rock on. Um, <laughs> it is, it is, and, and and here's the thing: is that, like I said, I am not a a big tortoise fan. But in listening to this, I went back, and and you know, we aren't facts based, but we do our due diligence. I mean, we do research on what we have to listen to, and so I went back and listened to a lot of tortoise, and I was like, yeah, I I like a lot of the earlier tortoises. So I will go back and listen to that. But this, like that, that sin is unforgivable and, uh, unconscionable. Yeah. And, and so this will, uh, this will end up in the trash can for me. Um, so there you go. You get served, Eduardo. I'm good with that.
All right, so that was uh, Tortoise, the Catastrophist. Uh, not as unanimous or pleasing as last week's uh, review. Um, as always, we, we recommend you go out and, and listen to it yourself. I mean, even, even if you say, if, if somebody says stream it or pass or, you know, they throw it away, like, it's up to you to figure this shit out. Um, so, uh, as always, at the end of every podcast, we like to finish it up with a track that maybe caught our attention, maybe thematically fit. In this case, I think it does. This is something that I uh, uh, have been in touch with this band for a while now. And actually, they're I think they're friends with our friend uh, Mary McLaughlin, who I saw last night at the All Songs thing. She actually conducted one of the uh, dance circles. Wow. She got out there, and it was hilarious. It was just like, oh, look at her go. This is amazing. <laughs> um, and uh, But they, they are from Chicago. They are, I think, a four or five piece. Uh, they are very much in the post-rock jazz thing. The name of the band is Crown Larks. Um, they have an album. They had an album out last year called Blood Dancer. Uh, the uh, track we're going to play, I think, is called Blood Mirage. Um, they are a big part of the DIY scene up there. They uh, they got a couple articles in like Impose and some larger magazines, so they're, they're sort of well known. Uh, I I would I would if I had to tell you like recommend it if you like I I wouldn't say an artist but I'd say their music's uh, sort of an unsettling but satisfying mix of Radiohead noise and free jazz punctuated by frequent freakouts and moments of honest to God supreme chill. That's not just this track. That's the album. It's an interesting stuff. So, um, and it's also uh, very much in the vein of uh, the Colin Stetson Sarah Newfield album. Mm. So I don't know if you guys have heard this, but I've been listening to this for a while. So uh, so here you go. This is a Crown Larks uh, Blood Mirage off of their 2015 album, Blood Dancer.
crown marks, blood mirage. I think everything I was talking about was sort of contained in that song. I hope it took you on a little sonic journey. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe we'll hear it again on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, that, that album is available on Bandcamp right now. They are going to be touring through here, I think, sometime in the spring. But we will confirm that later. Um, before we get out of here, we didn't talk about it up front. Uh, uh, we mentioned it up front. You know, last week we talked about Bowie. And we were gushing about Bowie. And then immediately after, uh, <laughs> Bowie died. Uh, so wield the power. You bow down. <laughs> no. Um, uh, you guys know my thoughts. I put them in there. But, like, I, how did you guys feel doing that? Like, at, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's hard to, um, well, first of all, Kevin, you know, the, your intro was just, uh, a really, I think, perfect summation of, um, what we were all thinking. We, we all, the three of us, uh, talked quite a bit, um, between, you know, the news breaking and the episode posting about what to do. Should we, you know, was the episode even yeah. relevant? Um, I almost didn't. Posted, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I think, but you know, I think you know what I what I kept coming back to is is the idea that like that the the not that lives have to have a point, uh, but uh, but I think if anything, the point of his work is the excitement that we that was like you know just overflowing from the three of us um, that uh, and yeah, I mean, it's just that's the you know if that's if 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 music's not for that, I'm not sure what it's for. Yeah. Um. And uh, and clearly, you know, I think we all have gone back. Like, it's been hard for me to go back and listen to the album. Actually, I've not been able to really listen. Well, I, I have been drowning in it. I've listened to almost everything but the album because I can't divorce like that initial giddiness from the like gap in knowledge of what the album really meant. Right. Um, and, um, and I think when I do, like, I'll probably just break down sobbing and, uh, yeah. Um, but I think it's, I mean, it's been a really emotional week for all of us. It was actually hard to like talk about reviewing something else because I think we've all been listening to nothing but yeah. Bowie since, <laughs> yeah, that's since sort of Monday Paul, morning. Paul, I mean, right? Paul's in so. here because he's, he's busy as fuck. <laughs> Paul will return this year. I swear to God. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, but uh, yeah, he, he, he was like, I cannot take a break from anything. I'm just going to listen to Bowie. Yeah. Um, but it was very upsetting. It was a very emotional. I had, a, I was surprised by the level of emotion that I had in response to his death. And right. I think my wife and I were talking about this on Monday, or maybe I think it was Monday. Um, I've because I'm a big Dylan dork. I've thought about how it's going to feel when Bob Dylan dies. Yeah. I've thought about. Uh, well, you know, Neil Young's probably not going to last that much longer. I hope he does. But um, I've thought about certain Keith Richards. I mean, that's going to hurt. Yeah. But, um, he, he, you know, I've sort of imagined it. And the, I have a text from her somewhere. But what's sad about it is I hadn't thought about what it would feel like when Bowie was going to die because it didn't seem like he would. It's too conventional a thing. Yeah, I, I think what person. you wrote me is like it, it never crossed my mind. Like it, I never. he's immortal. Like he's. He just seemed like someone who lived outside of mortality or something weird yeah. because he was, because of the control and the ability to transform and um, that I think to me makes the album much the new album even that much more interesting in that there is a vulnerability underneath some of the coding that's going on. I mean, I think, I mean, tis pity she was a whore. It might be about him when I listen yeah. to it now. Like I'm like, yeah. oh, that's really interesting. So um, I just. You know, and then I put Hunky Dory on, and it just, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, Life on Mars isn't really, Mm -hmm. who knows what the hell that song's about, but the piano um, composition there and the drama of that song and and even Eight Line Poem and just all the stuff on Hunky Dory, you just go, holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, and remember, is as successful as he is as amazing as his run is in the 70s from the man who sold the world actually from space oddity to lodger is that the last one in the 70s wow other than maybe dylan from like 63 to 74 or 5 
and I'm including the basement tapes in there, which is cheating. I don't know that anybody in the history of modern music has gone on a tear mm -hmm. of consistency and uh, reinvention in a way that Bowie has. And remember, he did that. It's almost like Orson Welles. Like when I took film studies in college, Orson Welles directed Citizen Kane when he was 26. Yes. Do you know what I did when I was 26? Yeah. I think I got like a credit card. The, right? There's a site that says, what was Bowie doing when you were the, that age? Right. And Man wow. Who Sold the World and Hunky Dory, I think he was only 25 or 26. Right. And then you run that out the rest of the way. And then you think about everything he did for Iggy Pop. And you think about the Eno's collaboration and how generous he was. And, you know, Luther Vandross and, you know, as much as he said crazy stuff in the 70s when he was on cocaine you know, he, we've all, I'm sure you've seen it, like sticking up for black artists on MTV. Yep. I mean, it just, everything you read, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a real shame. This was a, yeah. somebody who didn't want to do anything other than really make good art, as far as I can tell. At this and point, he did. And he, he did, did. Yeah. And that, that's, that's, that's it. And, you know, so, um, yeah, I just wanted to ask you guys about that. So, Rough week. Uh, that is our podcast for this week. Uh, as always, you can listen to us in iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, if you are feeling of the wordy type, you can write a little review in iTunes. You can give us a star. If you write a... We have no. seven reviews now. I know. If, uh, three uh, written and seven I have ratings. it out there. I said if you write a... I think it was like 20,000 word review of our oh. podcast, uh, I will take you to a show all expenses paid. Ooh. So that that's out there. Whatever show you want, it doesn't matter. Stone, stones front row. Yeah. No. I. I if you can twenty thousand. Now look, it has to pass our muster. Like it has to. We have to like agree to like. Oh well, this. Yeah. You know, all your po points have to be cogent. Um, but oh God, Crown Logs just wants to keep coming back. Um, all right. Well, we will uh, hear from you. Well, you will hear from us in a few short days. Uh, so as always. Uh, be good to yours, be better to your people, and uh, see you later. Oh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>